Wow, we leave for about a week and a half. We had a long, long break there. And what happens? We go and make new intro music like that and put some <laughs> put some new uh, little little tidbits in there. Yeah, you know, we had to take the car out for a little bit, get yeah. a nice fresh paint job. Nice fresh paint job. Fix it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a fresh paint job. It was more like touch-ups here and there. But I really think it enhances the quality of our intro music. And it also lets you guys know <laughs> that nothing is off the record on the Impactor Zone podcast. Nothing. So, nothing. Uh, I, by the way, I have it from a loyal listener of ours, uh, my roommate's dad, Jim Potvin. I know you're listening. Thank you for your loyal listenership for many years. He says we need more sexy Julian Mitchell on the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can give you that. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. That's enough. So, <laughs> we're just going to cancel that. Just in case there are any children listening, wow. we better keep it PG. Okay. So, <laughs> all, the, all the little kid Spartan fans listening, thank you so much for tuning in to the Impact Is On podcast. I'm Ryan Cole. That's Julian Mitchell. That's Amanda Poole. And guys, it, it has been a little bit long. So, thank you for uh, tuning in today as we. Kind of wrap up three, let's just face it, cupcake games and get into the real meat of Michigan State's non-conference schedule. So, Julian, Amanda, let's have some fun today. Let's do it. You guys ready to rock? I mean, I know, I know Thanksgiving break is on the way, right? But this is a good weekend for college basketball, by the way. Oh, I mean, my goodness. Everybody's looking ahead to, you know, that college football Saturday, but... Thanksgiving weekend always brings some fantastic college basketball tournaments. Fantastic. Maui Invitational's going on. It is right now. Duke won last night, and there's some great teams in there. Gonzaga as well. Auburn. Just great for college basketball. And Michigan State plays on Thursday. Oh, they do? Oh, Oh, gosh. Well, we will get to that, but I mentioned the cupcakes. We got to go in chronological order, everybody, and we have not talked about a Michigan State win in the regular season yet on the Impact Zone podcast. So we figure let's get three of them out of the way right here. So Michigan State in the last week and a half has cruised right on by three lesser opponents they were supposed to beat. Florida Gulf Coast, they win that one 106-82. to And then they go and beat Louisiana Monroe in a much lower scoring game, 80-59. to And then Tennessee Tech, that was on Sunday just by a tight margin of 101 to 33. Close game. Very close <laughs> from the opening tip until about 20 seconds later. So, look, guys, to start off, I just don't think you can take away much from these games. You know, I, I don't want to overanalyze or anything like that because, look, these are, like I said, games the Michigan State's supposed to win, supposed to win big. What did you guys, what are your initial things that come to mind when you think of how those three games went well overall looking at all three i i just look at this michigan state team and say at least with these cupcake games it's a good not great at this point still a lot of work to be done i think they've improved defensively steadily in each game although not the highest level of competition defense has gotten better 
I think the offense still has some holes, but have seen a little bit of improvement on that side. So overall, it's clearly still a work in progress, and at least to have that time to work through your rotations and prepare for a gauntlet that you have going forward that's going to help this team in the long run. I agree with Julian. I also think one of the biggest things I'm seeing, at least right away after these three games, is kind of the depth with this team. And yes, it is cupcake games where Izzo is, you know, throwing in these freshmen, seeing how they do. But when they are put in, you do see a lot of potential and you do see kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to be the team next year, which is kind of cool. But like Julian said, the offense is there. I can see MSU can score, has the ability to score a defense. It is getting better, but not to where they need to be if they want to get anywhere in the tournament. So. Defensively, that's that's the big thing. Yeah. I think that that I think all three of us have been taking away. And I actually asked Tom Izzo about. I mean, look at look at the numbers. I mean, I know it's much more than points, but okay, let's face it, points are the way that a basketball game is won or lost. Michigan State has given up less points in each of its four games this year. They gave up 92 to Kansas and then come back against Florida Gulf Coast and give up 82. Now, you may argue they played worse defensively against Florida Gulf Coast, and I think I would tend to agree with that. But then they lock down a little more. Louisiana Monroe give up 59, and then Tennessee Tech only hangs 33 on Michigan State. So I asked Tom Izzo after the Tennessee Tech game, what has changed the most from the first two games, giving up 92 and 82, to the last two games, giving up 59 and 33. Well, I mean, some of it's the competition. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, I think some of it is us. I, 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 you know, I think Cash just played a lot better today against quicker guys, and I thought we did a better job of, uh, of kind of shrinking the court and not giving up threes. Now, this wasn't a great three-point shooting team, but I thought that helped, and I, I just thought we got a little sloppy in those games, and... Um, We've really spent a lot of time on it. We spent a lot of time talking about it. It's not very often that uh, people were shooting what they were shooting against us after a couple games. And and to their players' credit, to the players' credit, and my staff, I think we worked on some things harder. We talked about defending without fouling. We talked about not giving up those straight-line drives. We talked about not letting it go in the post so easy. We did a better job. Well, as you can imagine, that's string of practices, I'm sure, after giving up those 92 and 82 totals were not uh, fun by any stretch of the imagination for the Michigan State student-athletes. Uh, but, I mean, I-, I tend to agree with Tom Izzo, and I believe that they probably did just hunker down on it and and just work on it because after those first two games, it was very obvious, yes, the offense is there. They can put up points. They're just fine with that. I mean, they put up 87 against a Kansas team that was number one in the country. But defensively, they had a lot of work to do, so I think they put more of a focus on it, like he said in that clip. And I think he was right in saying it starts with Cassius Winston getting better on defense. Yeah, and it starts at the guard level, guarding ball screens, guarding the primary ball handler. Winston has to be better. There's a lot of times, especially in that Kansas game, I have notes and tape of him missing assignments, Mm -hmm. not ball watching rather than watching his man, and that's an easy backdoor cut for a layup. So it starts with him, and it starts with his energy. That's the biggest thing I've seen in these three games is the energy of players out of Josh Langford and Nick Ward have all changed. Nick Ward was guarding ball screens and staying in front of guards, and that's energy. That's effort, and that's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, definitely. I think when you talk about Cassius Winston, you also have to just focus on those three juniors and how they have stepped up and how they have shown that, yes, we are a huge factor in this team and defensively they're stepping up. And yes, it starts with Winston, but also it kind of leaks through Ward and Lankford as well as um, being those pertinent um, defensive players. Tom Izzo actually mentioned after the game Cassius Winston being the head of the snake. How about that for an analogy? The head of the snake. But that's his way of saying, you know, our defense should be, you know, okay, a snake is, you know, a kind of an evil little, you yeah. know, creature, right? Okay, well, he wants his defense to be Spartan dogs, right? I mean, they, they want that to be the center of what Michigan State basketball is known for, defense first. And it starts with the point guard, Cassius Winston. And we saw it his freshman year and even last year as a sophomore. He had a great season last year. But still, a lot of work to be done defensively for Cassius Winston. So, I mean, we, we talk about in our season predictions and all that stuff, what can take Michigan State to the next level and, and who's the X factor, who's the guy that, you know, we, we say this team will only go as far as blank goes. I might say this team will only go as far as Cassius Winston's defense goes. I... I don't know if I can agree with that completely, just because I just know from the Louisiana Monroe game, <clears throat> then again, a cupcake game, mm-hmm. Nick Ward goes out with an injury, and the team literally falls apart. Like, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I think that that really showed us a bit with Nick Ward going down. Yeah, and it might not be just Nick Ward, but it might just be when one of those juniors are on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just kind of some disconnect. Um Just considering their experience and how much they do have an impact on the court, I don't know if Winston's definitely like the one that's going to carry this team or whatever, but I mean, I would pick Ward over Winston if you if you'd had to pick like that, where you would say who would carry you. They only go as far as Nick Ward does, type mm-hmm. of thing. I think I said that in the predictions too, but and I, I think it's I fun for me to jump around too. <laughs> <laughs> Just switch sides, whatever happens. Yeah, well, here and there. Yeah, and I think I said the same thing I disagreed and I said it goes with Cassius Winston I think mm-hmm. he's the guy for for me in the way college basketball and basketball itself is changing especially unless you know you're a dominant player such as you know a Jaron Jackson Jr other players like that I don't think you're gonna rely on a Nick Ward who's playing post basketball he doesn't have a face-up game at least not that we've seen so far he said it is it's improved no jump shot it's hard to rely on a player like that in today's game of basketball and you need to have a guard who, at the very least, can threaten the dribble drive to the basket. Winston has the jump shot, but I haven't seen the dribble drive. And yes, he's not as athletic as other players, but there's a craftiness. There's a threat of doing that that he has to have and the driving kick that will open up this MSU offense. And I think if you're running it all through Nick Ward, that puts a little bit of a handicap on where this team can go offensively. But I'm glad you brought up, Amanda, Nick Ward's injury. When he went down in that Louisiana Monroe game, and that was early on. I mean, he played five minutes in that game total, uh, only ended up with four points. Michigan State really struggled for the rest of that first half. We saw them really, I mean, as far as execution-wise and knowing what to do, especially like, hey, shot clock's running down, who do you got to go to? And then Cassius Winston really had a tough first half as well, especially from outside. But what happened in that is... You saw Kenny Goins step it up. 15 rebounds for Kenny Goins in that game, a career high. 13 rebounds for Xavier Tillman to go along with 11 points, both career highs. So 
if if Nick Ward doesn't go down with that injury, I'm not saying, you know, oh, it's a good thing he was injured, of course. That never you never want that to happen. But Michigan State, I think, learned a bit about itself and about that depth that we talked about. How how do they replace a guy like Nick Ward? And hey, may they may have had to play with those kind of guys this year if Nick Ward did go to the NBA. So it's it's I think at least promising to see for Spartan fans that Nick Ward He's a dog down there. He really is. But if he's having an off night, Kenny Goins can step it up like that. Xavier Tillman can step it up like that. And then Cassius Winston can get hot from the start like he did in that second half. He scored 14 points in the first 308 of the second half to really put that game out of reach for Louisiana Monroe. So it was kind of a trial by fire thing. All of a sudden, I mean, they didn't know that he was going to be injured, but... Once it happens, they each kind of spread it out, you know, right? And, and I think that that was something that I learned about Michigan State and in, in especially that Louisiana Monroe game. Yeah, no, I agree completely with that. Just especially after the first half, you're just like, okay, in the locker room, Izzo's got to be yelling at them, saying, you know, get your stuff together. And you just don't know how they're going to come out mentally with, you know, we don't know what even happened to Ward at that point in time. Well, they, I think they were up, what, five at the half yeah, in that? Yeah, it was I not mean, that a was, lot. That was tight. Yeah, you didn't we know what six. was going to happen. It was 35-29. And, and then, wow. Yeah. yeah, and Winston just comes out with his all of his buckets and, I mean, 23 points that whole game, which you would not have, you know, predicted at the beginning of the game. Mm-mm. And that just kind of shows Michigan State's mentality and them, you know, moving on and just getting back to the game of basketball and winning a game. So that's, yeah, like you said, it's promising to see where, where they'll go this season with that. Mm-hmm. And that's a big sign for them. And I think part of the issue came when Nick Ward goes down. Most of this Michigan State offense is run through feeding Nick Ward or screens involving Nick Ward. Mm-hmm. And so to see the team come out of halftime and Cassius Winston be more aggressive and realize Ward's out, someone has to step up, that's a big sign. Cause, I mean, if I, I'm sitting up here on the microphone saying Cassius Winston is going to be got to lead this team, those are moments you have to see from him. A guy who can step up, he's going to hit the shot. He had a lot of dribble drives, too, where he had a lot of and-one shots to finish at the rim. And those are big plays if you're looking to catch the Winston to be the guy. And so to stick with Nick Ward, you know, I, I didn't even know if they were going to play him against Tennessee Tech. He went down, looked like an ankle injury, he hops back to the locker room, and we don't hear from him or see him after that. They they said, yeah, it's not severe, but, you know, day-to-day was his official listing. Well, I figure, okay, Tennessee Tech, you know, do you really trot him out there? You've got six high-major opponents coming up in a row by the way very excited to talk about those here in a bit but I just think oh well they're not going to play Ward no (laughs) they play Nick Ward (laughs) there he is warming up and here's a stat line 10 of 12 from the field 23 points 6 rebounds I think he's okay yeah, I think he's just fine. I think he might be. I mean, <laughs> he he looked perfectly fine day. out there. Still yeah, oh yeah, day still day today. We we don't know if he'll play against uh, UCLA. No, he looked great. And and when you think about it, I mean, I think Nick Ward probably got scared. He probably got scared with that Louisiana Monroe injury because it's never really happened to him, right? And so he hops off, and I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the Breslin Center after oh, that. Yeah. By the way, that was oh yeah, that was like. Not a single soul would say anything. They're like, well, because he was know. laying there for a little bit oh, and yeah. just banging his he fist pounded, on the yes, ground, like just the ground. banging it. And we're just like, what's going on? Yeah, but and, and 
you'd imagine the team is thinking the same thing. Ward's probably thinking the same thing. I came back to school and yeah. now I'm going to go yeah. down with something. But comes back four days later and he's just <laughs> fine, I guess. So, yeah, uh, Nick Ward, I mean, we saw that. The only thing that I'll say about Nick Ward, though, is through four games, we haven't really seen the outside game that we thought we'd see from him um, that he talked about, the new and improved, you know, on the court Nick Ward. So I kind of wonder if maybe he just kind of figured, okay, against these teams I can go back to my old ways, but then he'll pull that out against some of these high major teams they play against. I don't really know. Yeah, that's that's where it gets tough, and that's where I think it's going to be the difference. And, you know, when I talk about Winston being the guy for this team, it's not to say Nick Ward isn't good or Nick Ward can't be a star. I believe he is, and he's going to put up points and be productive. But when it comes to playing more talented players, they're going to guard him harder in the post. Mm-hmm. In this game against um, against Tennessee Tech, almost every time he got the ball down low, he had one foot in the paint. Yeah, That's an easy lefty jump hook for a guy like him. But he's going to have to show a face-up game as talent gets more gets better at defending him underneath. That's a good point. He has, he has to show more versatility against these teams that just have better athletes to defend him. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you said, Ryan, with just with these easy teams, he's just taking those easy shots because he can. He's doing that little post stuff down low because he can, and it's you know it's easy for him. But once he gets to the tougher team, is maybe we will see um, what he was talking about earlier with his you know jump shots and stuff like that. Just because maybe he'll have to, he'll be forced to make those other decisions. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to see. So otherwise, any any other things that really stand out to you guys? I want to say Joshua Langford is standing out to me, but mm-hmm. he's just doing his job. Like he's just doing what he does. That's you know? a good way to put it. Yeah, he's he's such. I mean, he might be the quietest yes. team leader in scoring yes. in the country. Okay, he's averaging seventeen a game. You know how I know that? Simple math. Here's his consistent totals for points in his four games: eighteen, eighteen, sixteen, sixteen. He's averaging seventeen a game. That's what you need from Josh Langford. Yes, and exactly. I, f- I still feel like he can give you a little bit more too. So, that's a great point. Josh Langford has been a quiet leader, at least offensively, for this team. Yeah, and for me, the points ha- the points have been great. There are room room to improve as far as his three point shot. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of off shots, but yeah, what I like, he is still le- leaving some to be mm-hmm. desired from outside. Exactly, but what I've really liked less than how many points he's putting up is the energy he comes out with. Yeah. And there have been, especially in the first game against Florida Gulf Coast, he comes out with the double-double, get you 10 boards in that game. That's just energy and effort that extends to all the other players on the floor. And to have a junior guy who's supposed to be a leader kind of come out with that energy and effort is big as you play different teams down the the, the line. They weren't just normal rebounds, by the way. I mean, they were flying in from the perimeter, snatching it down. And, I mean, where you can hear it all the way in the last row of the Breslin, grabbing the ball, getting it out on the break. I mean, Josh Lankford's played with some high-level energy so far this year, and I I think that's probably the biggest positive. And I kind of want to hear what you guys think as far as who has exceeded expectations and who has not met expectations. We talk about Josh Lankford being kind of quiet in what he does, but I do believe he has been the guy that's exceeded expectations the most when you step back and really look in at the tape and look at the stats as far as what these guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's doing his job. What we hoped for as a leader is scoring. He's, I mean, he's running the floor really well. Um, As far as people that, you know, are not doing their job, Matt McQuaid. 
Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. He's not making the shots that he, as Matt McQuaid, the shooter, the senior captain, is supposed to be making. Yeah, so far on the year, Matt McQuaid, uh, going to look and do some quick maths here. It was one for five from three against Tennessee Tech, which puts him at four for 14 on the year, which is not the totals that you need from Matt McQuaid. That's in the 20s as far as the percentage-wise. He needs to be that knockdown shooter. You're absolutely right. Um, averaging about eight a game. What he's done a bit is he's driven the ball a little bit more, I think, as opposed to just being a spot-up shooter. I tend to agree. I think Matt McQuaid, on the at least on the offensive end, because I think he does not ever get enough credit defensively for what he does. He leads the team in minutes, by the way. Why? Because Tom Izzo trusts his defense more than anybody on this team. Mm-hmm. And that's because, I mean, you look at Matt McQuaid, there's there's a Matt McQuaid charge taken in almost every game. Yes, He's <laughs> on the floor at some point taking a charge in every Michigan State basketball game, and that's He would be great. the guy if it was, like, football. He would, like, jump in on the tackle just so he could get his jersey <laughs> yes. dirty. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Matt McQuaid. He's the guy where you like the, hit the deck. He could have no points in the game, but you'd be like, that kid had an impact. Oh yeah, I saw him all over the floor. <laughs> oh Loose yeah, balls, yeah. charges. Mm-hmm. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Always on the ground. Always on the, on the floor. Always. On, why is Matt McQuaid on the floor again? Oh, I probably took a charge. They should put him in that Libman suit, the guy that comes out to sweep <laughs> oh, at halftime. They should put him out there because he's on the ground most of the time. I say, they're probably angry because like Matt, will you get off the ground? I'm tired of scrubbing, <laughs> scrubbing your sweat off the court every five seconds. That's but that's the truth. I mean that's. That's kind of what he's done so far. I just feel like his role has got to be more. His role has got to be more of a shooter as opposed to that gritty defender guy. I mean, he's done a good job, I think, in that gritty defensive role. But when we talk about expectations, I think the expectation for Matt McQuaid is always going to be you got to hit three-point shots. And 4 for 14 on the year, that doesn't cut it right now. We completely agree. He's got he's to hit the outside shot. And I do like that he's put the ball in the deck and been more aggressive but you got to knock down the three-point opportunities when you have them. There are a lot of times where it's either Winston or Langford who drive inside and they kick it out to them. That's an easy bucket and one you got to make. And if you're going to beat more talented teams down the line, you got to hit three-point jump shots. And he's been consistently putting in eight points a game. But I just think it needs to bump up. I mean, make two more threes and you're talking about 14 points a game, right? I mean, that's that's huge for this team. That puts you second on the team. Okay, third in... Uh, in points per game behind Langford and Winston. But Matt McQuaid's got to hit those three-point shots, and especially, I mean, against some some of these better teams that we're going to see Michigan State play against. I mean, Michigan State needs Matt McQuaid from outside. And, and the three-point shooting has not quite been there for Michigan State. We talked about Josh Langford. Uh, he came into the Tennessee Tech game 35% from three. Cassius Winston struggling a little from outside. Those guys were in that 40% range the last year or two. I think this Michigan State team has a lot better three-point shooting in them that we haven't seen yet. I agree. I definitely think that as these teams, as the competition gets a lot tougher, which they will, and they are going to with this week, they're going to be forced to take those outside shots and whether they can make them or not, which we know they can. We know they're capable of it. I mean – it's just a matter of if they can actually, under that pressure and under um, a contested you know, shot, like if they actually can make it. Yeah, and that's where it starts with Matt McQuaid knocking down more. Mm-hmm. As of right now, you look at the team and Matt McQuaid's not knocking them down. The only consistent three-point shooters would be Winston and Langford, and teams will key in on them 
and stop them from hitting their threes. Matt McQuaid's got to help spread that floor, spread the offense more, so now there's more attention on him, which opens up the floor for Winston and Langford to get their shots off. Oh, another knockdown shooter that you missed? How about Marcus Bingham Jr.? I was just going to say that. Like, this kid comes in, he's (laughs) 6'11", and weighs like 40 pounds, and... 40 pounds. And he is hitting every three he takes. I mean... Maybe it's easier for those tall people. I mean, none of us would know, but maybe it's easier for them because they can just throw the ball down at the rim. Is that? I don't know what it is, but it's they just go right in, and it's you a, really don't expect it's it. It's an interesting stroke. His elbows kind of yes, stuck out, yes. you know, like that's not really what they teach you, but but it works. And I don't it know, works. I don't know how, I don't know how <laughs> much he can do that the rest of this year. But that's something in these first four games. I mean, we we can. I'm kind of curious what you guys think about the freshmen's performances so far. I know small sample size, but that's what we do is we overreact on the Impact on Izzo podcast. <laughs> but uh, but Marcus Bingham, he he hasn't hit many shots from inside because he just doesn't have the toughness down there, but he's making up for it outside. Exactly, and for me, you look at the freshman, he's been a guy who I've been very excited about in limited minutes. I mean, he's 3 of 5 on the season from 3 when he gets in the game. And that's big for this Michigan State offense. Mm-hmm. If, if Tom Izzo is willing to work with lineups and rotations, maybe see Bingham in at the four, slot him in at the small ball five, that's a guy who's going to open up this offense to do everything. And another one guy I've been impressed with is Foster Lawyer. I think he's been solid in the time he's had. Defense is still a little bit of a struggle, but offensively he's managed the game, slowed down the pace, made it work. And, I mean, you talk about that last game against Tennessee Tech. When the shot clock was running down, he goes right to the basket, creates opportunities for the offense, and that's huge for a freshman like him to under- have that understanding of the game. It's great to see that. Not only a scorer is Foster Lawyer, but a playmaker too. He- he's found a couple of nice passes and everything, and I think that's something, that's the only thing with his offense is, I think he's a scorer first, and I, I think he's got that kind of mentality. It's creating for the rest of the team and making plays for the rest, and I- he's done a decent job of that so far. Honestly, when we talk about the freshmen, Yes, there, there's great potential in all of them. They still make me nervous when they all sub in, besides yeah. Aaron Henry. When yeah. he goes in, I'm not nervous. I do not get nervous about him messing up or anything. He just seems like he just fits right in. I mean, body-wise, strength-wise, obviously. I mean, Bingham gets in there, and I just know he's just going to get the ball knocked out of his hands, which he does. Mm-hmm. Foster Lawyer, yes, he has these great plays, great moves, but I still feel like he struggles way too much on defense to be um, that confident. So, but I mean, Aaron Henry, I'm just really looking forward to him getting more play time and, and more, um, you know, opportunities to make some plays and see what he can do. And I think we haven't seen enough of Gabe Brown or Thomas Kithier yes. to really kind of gauge that paint much of a picture for them. Right. Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry, ever since we talked about them on the podcast on signing day, like last year, and I noticed their measurables are about the same. They seemed very similar. But Henry has just a different kind of motor and ability to absorb contact. And just, he wants to get physical. Yeah. He really does. Brown, a little bit more finesse. And he wants to kind of stay outside a little more. And what Henry has done for this offense when he comes in is slash. And he's done a really nice job of that. Had a great uh, baseline drive and then dunk in transition late in the Tennessee Tech game. Now, 
I still think I think you're right, Amanda. Aaron Henry is the one that is just the most ready to play. We've heard that from Tom Izzo since September, and I think I think fans now can see why that is. So I think I mean I said we couldn't take away much, but here we are, 27 minutes into the <laughs> podcast, and we took away a lot from those three games. So that's good. But no, it's just I mean that's the state of Michigan State basketball right now. Is hey, Josh Langford is consistent. But there are still a lot of guys that can be giving a little bit more. And that's why I'm excited to see this Las Vegas Invitational. And then following that, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And then two Big Ten games, by the way. And then a road trip to Florida. Michigan State plays six straight high major teams here. And Tom Mizzo called it uh, yesterday after practice. He called it one of the toughest stretches in his career. Now, they're not playing a number one team per se, but they're playing early on after four games. You know, they're playing some teams that have great shots in their respective conferences, and especially with a rotation that it's seven to eight deep right now. Tom Izzo has mentioned that. So we got the five starters, right? Winston, Langford, McQuaid, uh, Goins has been starting at the four still. And Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman, Kyle Arns, Aaron Henry. That's your eight right now that he's the most confident in putting in a rotation in some of these games. And I wonder if he's at all going to break out of that and expand that at all early on in crucial minutes against UCLA, against North Carolina or Texas, and then especially in those road trips coming up too. So certainly an interesting time coming up for Michigan State. Uh, before I get to that, of course, I do want to mention the early signing period that was last week. Interesting news for Michigan State because Malik Hall signed with the Spartans. That is a kid who just committed, actually. He's out of Sunrise Academy in Kansas, same one that Tom Tom Nairn went to, by the way. He's a power forward listed at 6'7", 190, four-star recruit in that number 40 to 50 range by a lot of recruiting services. He officially signed with Michigan State. But they have a commit who has not yet signed. And I'm kind of kind of interested with this. This is Rocket Watts. Rocket Watts out of Ohio, Spire Academy. Kind of a combo guard at 6'2", 175. Said that he was committing to Michigan State around that number 30 range as far as his player recruiting rankings. Has not signed yet. I I don't know enough about the recruiting cycle to give a take on this or anything or give a scoop. I don't have any scoops. Sorry, people looking for a scoop. <laughs> Say scoop one more time. Scoop. There we go. <laughs> I'll put that in the intro too. <laughs> Impact scoop. I don't I don't know what this is but I think it should be I think it should make Spartan fans a little wary especially knowing what's happened with some other recruits that have kind of been looking at Michigan State all along and then all of a sudden they flip somewhere else definitely not talking about Brian Bowen at all not at all <laughs> It's kind of strange I think 
we're just doing what we do on the impact zone where we just read into things way too much. Maybe I'm just it's saying. just a simple like I just have to think about it a little bit more. Right. I need time before it's actually like a serious thing. But then again, when you think about it, if he really wants to play for Michigan State, it shouldn't be a issue. Yeah, I mean he committed a couple months ago and I mean what's what's, what's the big idea? Yeah, what's, what's the big idea? He's he hasn't signed yet. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, keep it here with the show. We're going to figure out, uh, you know, kind of what's going on when it comes out. But those are two four-star kids. But also, Michigan State has some more recruiting to do for this upcoming class. They've got, I believe, one more spot right now that is open. And they may even take two as well and find another find another spot. But there are three five-star guys out there right now. Two centers in Vernon Carey, who's the number one recruit in the country by a lot of services, as well as Isaiah Stewart from La Lumiere, also where Jaron Jackson played, and Keon Brooks, a kid also from La Lumiere. So he, he's more of a small forward. The first two guys were centers. All five-star guys in that top 20 range as far as recruiting rankings. So Michigan State's recruiting certainly not done yet, whereas last year all these five freshmen now, they were all signed and all done by now. So an interesting dichotomy for Tom Izzo. All right, that's been your recruiting update. Now let's get to, let's let's <laughs> get that. That was a scoop. Yeah. That's that's a it's not even a scoop, Amanda. Like I don't have any scoops. If you're coming to the show for scoops, I'm sorry. It doesn't no even sound like no a scoop. word anymore. There it what, is. You know. It's just just a little cup. Just a little cup. Just a little cup. Not a scoop, just a little little teaspoon. Mm-hmm, little moving teaspoon. on. Little sample. Little sample. <laughs> Who's running the show, Amanda? All right. Las Vegas Invitational, like I said, excited to see how Michigan State takes on some teams of more their caliber and excited to see how they kind of mold together and and take some lessons out of that game that we just, those three games that we just saw. Because um, we talked for 30 minutes about what lessons we think they took. Well, now it's time to show it. UCLA. They are so far 4-0 on the year, uh, off to a decent start. Steve Alford, of course, the Indiana, um, former Indiana guy. And I I like UCLA as a program. Michigan State hasn't played them since the 2011 uh, NCAA tournament, by the way, where they went down by like a bajillion and then came back and almost won. But UCLA won. That was a first-rounder. Thursday night, UCLA and Michigan State. UCLA just not really at that caliber of, like, say, 10 years ago when you saw Russell Westbrook and uh, Kevin Love there. Um, So this one doesn't really scare me as much for Michigan State. Um, I don't know. I mean, Julian, do you think UCLA offers much of a fight against Michigan State? I definitely, I think so. I don't think it's, you know, as big of a game as potentially playing North Carolina and then next next round after this, but I think UCLA is a team to watch. I think they have a lot of, they have guys who can score the basketball and who are top recruits. You look at a Moses Brown, listed at 7-1, could be 7-2, <laughs> heard reports of both, but he's wow. a tall guy, top recruit who can finish with either hand. He's athletic for such a guy who's so skinny and so tall. He does a great job. Chris Wilkes, a fantastic sophomore, and I really like Jalen Hands. This was a guy who came in last year as a freshman. Very athletic, kind of a, a Westbrook type of guard. Not with the the uh, the skill level yet of him, but someone who's aggressive, takes it to the hole, is very athletic with his dunking ability. 
And that's a guard that's going to be tough for Winston to handle. So they have players who can match up well. So this is a game I, I will look out for. I think it's a I like Julian said, I think it's a good matchup. I think this is a good first big challenge, not challenge, but like first big thing besides these cupcake games. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to see where MSU stands. And also I think it's a good way for the MSU team to see where they stand like themselves, like Nick Ward and Cassius Winston, how they do against these higher caliber games and these players. Mm-hmm. I mean, Moses Brown, 7-1, 7-2 maybe, Julian. Um, <laughs> I mean, going up against someone like that, just kind of really you know, testing yourself and seeing how how well they do against these teams and then moving on to, yeah, a bigger team like North Carolina. Um, just I think it's a good segue into those bigger teams. UCLA number 17 in the country right now. Uh, I was a little surprised that they kind of jumped up into the rankings. They just beat Presbyterian uh, on Monday, 80-65 to 65 to improve to 4-0. I still just, I still just feel like Michigan State goes into this one and it just is too much for UCLA, you know? And when you ask me, and I'm trying to pull up UCLA's schedule, um, they obviously haven't played against a number one team yet. They started off with Purdue-Fort Wayne, Long Beach State, St. Francis, and Presbyterian. So I, I just think it was a little pre- what what's the word for it? I think it was a little early to jump them into the rankings because they haven't played anybody. And Michigan State put up a fight in the second half, especially against now the number two team in the country in Kansas, and just walloped everybody else. So I think Michigan State goes into this one and wins. And I, I like the way that Amanda put it. This is a good I mean, those those three games were tune ups, just straight up tune ups. That's all that they were. But UCLA is a different sense of a tune-up for what I believe will be a top-10 matchup with North Carolina on Friday. Now, they could lose to Texas, of course, but I think North Carolina is who they play. So I've got Michigan State 81-71 over UCLA. little high scoring in this one, but Michigan State kind of, it just is too much. I don't think UCLA has too much of a last-second push, really. I think Michigan State leads by that 10-12 to range for most of the second half. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think Michigan State wins it. I have a little bit closer. And, you know, it's tough for me with score predictions, but I got it at 85 80. I, th- I, I kind of like this UCL team and, and how they play. They got a couple guys who can all score the basketball. Defensively, they're, they're solid. They, uh, they hold teams as far as three point shooting to about 28% on the season in the teams they have played, of course. And they, for, uh, they turn teams over at about 14 turnovers a game. And I think that's a recipe for failure if you're mm-hmm. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And that's something to look at. But. I do think Michigan State walks out with the win in what is going to be a tune-up for potentially North Carolina. Something we didn't mention with Michigan State is they have been pretty clean with the turnovers so far after struggling against Kansas uh, in the turnover department. So Michigan State only eight turnovers against Tennessee Tech in the last game. Just, Just putting that out. My prediction for the game is MSU wins 80-75. to Like you guys have said, UCLA just... They're not going to overdo it. Like, MSU is just going to – it's going to be too much for UCLA. Um, I think it'll be a close game just because it is a tournament. I know anything happens in tournaments, honestly. But it's just MSU is going to just do their thing. Their offense will be successful, I believe. And um, they might struggle a little bit in defense, and that's the high scoring on UCLA's part. But they will take away the with a win. 
and especially with Michigan State making that long trip out there, whereas UCLA just gets to make that L.A. to Las Vegas trip. And so maybe maybe some jitters from the start for Michigan State, but again, I just think it'll be too much. Now, we won't give a score prediction yet for the second game because we just don't know who Michigan State's going to play. But looking ahead to that North Carolina or Texas matchup, North Carolina, this is a team that Michigan State saw last year and beat, and actually beat by a pretty good margin in the PK-80, also over Thanksgiving weekend. So this could be the second straight Thanksgiving weekend that Michigan State plays against the Tar Heels. This North Carolina team in the top 10 as well. So personally, I, I would love to see Michigan State match up against North Carolina. That that would be a fantastic matchup. You look at North Carolina, and this is a squad I, I'd like to see. Luke May battling Nick Ward down low. May, uh, I think he's listed as a, a preseason All-American, a guy who was a fantastic player last season coming back once again. And their freshman backcourt of Nasir Little and Cody White, both just fantastic players, will be a lot for Winston and Langford to handle. This is just a team that matches up well with Michigan State, and I think it's going to be a battle of some top-tier talent. Yeah, I agree. The matchup is honestly very ideal for both teams, especially with experience-wise. I know they have we have, you know, our two seniors and our three juniors and they've got their three returning starters with a grad student, a couple seniors. It's just going to be a good I mean, both are solid teams and we'll just see who, you know, does better on certain aspects of the court. And of course, Luke May in about his 27th year at North Carolina, <laughs> I believe. Still hasn't gone to class though. <laughs> oh, ow, ow, North Carolina blow. How about that? Just, just a little bit. Having people taking his exams for him and everything. <laughs> Jeez. Luke May, he's a heck of a player, but I every time I see him, I'm like, he shouldn't be that good at basketball. Like, is that is that a mean thing to say? I just don't. No, I'm with you. But he's he's one of those players, and he's there's just, always he, players in college basketball who are like, they're good college basketball mm-hmm, players. Mm-hmm. Like, they're probably not going anywhere else, but they're good college basketball players and that's Luke May back to the basket I mean he's got just an all-around game Luke May is is one that will be a very tough test for uh, if Michigan State were to match up I don't think they'd put Nick Ward on him I think you put more of your four guy against him like a Kenny Goins so a little more of an inside outside game it could be a heck of a matchup there and but Michigan State like I said they did shut down North Carolina last year North Carolina went 26-11 26-11 and 11 last year, 11-7 and seven in conference play. That was also Tom Izzo's first ever win against Roy Williams. Michigan State has often struggled against North Carolina under Tom Izzo, so that's something to watch. Now Texas. Texas is a team that we know about Mo Bamba. Not just the song, everybody. I don't know. Mo Bamba was basically all I knew about Texas basketball last year. I'm not going to lie. So... They, I mean, what what do they return, Julian, that that make them at least formidable and, and a possible opponent for Michigan State? Yeah, they bring back a couple players. They lose Mo Bamba, of course. Everyone loves Mo Bamba, great player playing for the Orlando Magic in the NBA now. But they bring back four of their top five scorers from last season. And you look at a guard like Kerwin Roach II, who's returning for his senior season, averaged 12.3 points per game last season, up to 15 now with six boards. Struggled a little bit from the field, but this is a guy who can score the basketball, a strong, feisty guard, and a forward in Dylan Ostakowski, who was the Longhorns' leading scorer last season with 13.4 points. 
this is a, a stretch forward who can hit the three when he wants to, needs to improve a little bit as far as his consistency-wise, but he can stretch the floor out on you, and that's a guy that's going to be tough tough to guard. Texas, so far on the year 4-0, but again, last year they, they lost in the first round of the tournament to Nevada, and... I, I just don't think that they'll beat North Carolina. So I've got North Carolina winning, and I've already said Michigan State's winning. All of us did. So how do you guys see this tournament playing out if Michigan State is to play? I, I, are we all picking North Carolina to be in that? We, we kind of think North Carolina will go yeah, to the title yeah. game. So Michigan State, North Carolina, who do you guys kind of give the edge to? You don't need to give a score prediction. We'll do that by text on Friday for our official register but kind of curious where you guys think this tournament will be going I believe that it's a it's a great matchup so I believe MSU wins but it's going to be a very close game mm-hmm. I think it's just going to come down to who can actually make the shots and as MSU has been struggling with actually making those key shots at some moments um, I don't I don't know for sure if they'll win but I, I'm going to pick them to win as my prediction thus far, just because I think that a Tom Izzo team in a tournament is more mm-hmm. likely to win. And I, and I also, I'll agree with that. I'm going to pick Michigan State to win this thing. I also said that before the season started. I thought they would go out to Vegas and win this. We saw them win that PK-80 last year, and that really kind of propelled them. I think the reason, though, and, and kind of what Amanda is alluding to, is I think Michigan State we've seen that there's much more to give. And I'm kind of picking Michigan State to pull out some stops that we haven't seen quite yet, but we know they kind of can do, whether it's Nick Ward showing a little bit of that inside-outside game, whether it's Matt McQuaid going off from outside, whether it's Cassius Winston becoming like a lockdown defender. I mean, Michigan State held North Carolina to their lowest field goal percentage in like program history last year, by the way. So... I, I think all of those things, I, I feel like one of them is going to happen and it's going to propel Michigan State against a top 10 North Carolina team to win it. I, I'm going to be different. I have North Carolina in this game. <laughs> I'm going to be different. I'm be different. <laughs> I, I just think, looking on paper, North Carolina has just a more talented team than Michigan State, and I think there are a lot of, of what-ifs for Michigan State to win. There's going to have to be a step up, as you said, of Cassius Winston on defense. I don't know yet who's the main scorer, who's the guy you're going to go to for a bucket, and if they can get that bucket against better talent in North Carol- against North Carolina. So I give it to North Carolina. I think it'll be a close game. I, what's going to be the thing for me is whether Michigan State can pick it up on the defensive end of the basketball. Very important. And like I said, though, North Carolina really struggled against that Spartan defense last year. Out there in Portland, Oregon, Michigan State and North Carolina could very well show down once again on the West Coast. But then back to the East Coast as Michigan State, that'll be a Thursday-Friday tournament. So unlike last year where they played through Sunday of that weekend, Michigan State will get to come back on Saturday, maybe catch that Saturday football game against Rutgers uh, where they and probably five of their closest friends will be at Spartan Stadium. I'll be one of them. I know. But... (laughs) (laughs) I. I'm not optimistic about that one. But that's for the Spartan Red Zone podcast to talk about. Michigan State then has to prepare for a road trip to Louisville. Louisville so far this year, 3-0. So Michigan State playing against three straight teams that are 
currently undefeated. So, I mean, when you ask me, now Louisville does play against number 5 Tennessee on Wednesday. I think we're going to learn the most about Louisville in that game, and we'll get more of an idea of that. So I'm also going to say we withhold our predictions on that game, but kind of a prediction of how the game will go and where Michigan State will go uh, with it. Um, Amanda, Louisville. You were you were charged with you know previewing Louisville, so I'm, oh, oh this, okay. this is your time, you know. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I usually have a good you know transitioner segue, <laughs> but I'm like that wasn't you. At all. I know you did this. So. Um, I do think this is looking like really far and ahead, and just seeing how MSU is going to play um, in this tournament, we'll have to just see what to expect with Louisville. But Louisville itself, um, good team. We'll see if they match up pretty well. Um, they've got. Players to watch Darius Perry and Jordan. Jordan Nora. Nora. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of. Well, they've, they've got a couple players to watch. I mean, we, I mean, Michigan State has a couple players to watch too, but I mean, Louisville's going to be comfortable. They're going to be in their own home. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's going to be on the road as they have been the past couple of games. I just think that. It just depends on if Michigan State actually shows up with their team. Um, Louisville be there, warm, comfortable, just fine with their players, and the matchup will be good. It'll be a good game. Like I said, this is we're going to know much more about them after that Tennessee game. They've got a new coach this year. Chris Mack comes there from Xavier. I just This is definitely one of those rebuilding years for Louisville, and I'm kind of interested to see if that home court means much, but I think Michigan State, again, maybe I'm showing too much confidence in these guys. I know there are a lot of things that we still need to see, but I'm going to go again with that argument that I said against North Carolina. Michigan State, I think, has some parts of their game that can still show out, and I'm kind of expecting one or two of those storylines to kind of break out in these big games to get Michigan State rolling through the stretch and into December. So that's just my take as as they look ahead to that Tuesday game against Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I think Michigan State wins this one. I think this is this Louisville team is a lot like the um excuse me, the Texas team that Michigan State is going to I mean not going to see or the Texas and the UCLA team mm-hmm. looking at at the schedule because these are two teams where they're in kind of a rebuild year where they have talented players but not necessarily guys where you look at a North Carolina where you're like Luke May is an All-American mm-hmm. or Nasir Little is a freshman who's going to be a, a top player in college basketball. They don't have those kind of guys. And this is more of a Michigan State kind of game where they don't have to play uber-talented players. And they can play well enough to win this game, and I think they do. I tend to agree. I think we're also, I have to put this programming note out there, impact we are considering. We're trying to figure out if it's feasible to go to Louisville. Get that game going. Kentucky. 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 Hopefully we'll roll to out the, in a p- patino. To the legendary KFC Yum Center is the location for that one. What a name. I know. What a name. You know KFC dropped the bag for that one. <laughs> the KFC Yum Center. Well, also Louisville, like everything else there was named Papa John's, and now they can't really be named Papa John's because other things happened. To but that. yeah, that that kind of got out of there. But hey, the KFC <laughs> Yum Center lives on and that's the location for that one, but boy, this is going to be some exciting times for Michigan State basketball, but mostly because we're going to learn a lot more about this team. I mean, we're going to learn much much more about Michigan State 
and how well this team is going to do this year in the next three games than we have in the last three games. So a great episode to kind of be right stuck in the between them, right? I mean, we we took away a lot from those three games before, but it's go time. It's Thanksgiving weekend, which means co- college basketball. No, oh. no. <laughs> Oh, and Black Friday shopping. Oh, oh my boy. Gosh. Yes, here we go. And college basketball. I, I had to I had to put that in there for Ooh. Amanda. Black Friday shopping. I can't contain myself sometimes. Cyber Monday. Don't leave the house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here's the game plan. Cyber Monday, eat your Thanksgiving leftovers, don't leave the house and buy everything you want on Amazon. Ooh wee. There's no fun in that though. There's no what do physical you mean? activity. I don't need what the moving the spoon of food to my mouth is physical activity enough. No. That's my way of lifting. <laughs> Ty, get these arms Just big. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, Impact is own season six, episode five has come and gone. Amanda, final thoughts on on this uh, episode? How I, I know that Zach Swisicki always did this. How would you rate the episode? I oh, just put that geez. out there for him. Um, this one, honestly, I was slightly annoyed with the word scoop, but I'll get over it. <laughs> Other than that, I'm very excited to see this Michigan State team up against some real competition so we can talk and actually be accurate um, when we kind of reflect on the games. Accurate. 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 No, accuracy is important on the Impact Ism podcast. It is. It is. We're big J journalists. But, yeah, this is a great episode. Shout out to Zach. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sly. Yes. Shout out to May Man. But, uh, yeah, great episode. I think this is this is the turning point this for is. both the podcast and Michigan State <laughs> as we are entering a gauntlet here. Having some big things to talk about. I I can't think of anything else to say to close the episode out. That was very well put, Julian Mitchell. Thank you. Very well put, Amanda Poole. I'm Ryan Cole. Thank you for listening to the Impact His Own Podcast. We will have much more to talk about next week as we kind of take in, hey, how did Michigan State do this weekend? How did they do against Louisville? going to be a fun one. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes and look at impact89fm.org slash sports for all your Michigan State sports coverage. Huge game for both teams, but especially Michigan State.